Captain's log, stardate 1457.9. The Enterprise is on the edge of the neutral zone, a narrow band of space separating the Romulan Empire from the Federation, a remnant of a treaty of a hundred years ago, when a destructive war was waged between our two cultures. Enterprise and the USS Cayuga are here to help the outposts that guard the neutral zone with much-needed retrofitting and supplies. Welcome back, Starfleet cadets, officers, and Romulans, to another episode of the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast in this continuing look at all things to do with those dastardly, sneaky Vulcan lookalikes. Yes, we're looking at this series at uh, various episodes featuring the Romulans, and uh, it will become clear soon if you haven't already seen what episode we're looking at today. But first of all, I have to introduce everyone that's here, so... Welcome. I am usual host, Captain Mike. Uh, I am joined by my usual number one, who hopefully is not genetically engineered, DK. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello there. How are you doing? I'm okay. It's so nice to be referred to number one rather than number two, but there we go. <laughs> oh, man. To, uh... <laughs> can't believe you said that. <laughs> I'm keeping that in the edit, just so you know. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. It's me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Beavis and Butthead doing that joke years ago. So you finally caught up with the nineties. <laughs> like number one, go to a number two. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, you're not in danger of being arrested by Starfleet at the end of this podcast or anything, are you? <laughs> uh, probably, but not for what you think. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, we are joined once again for reasons that will become clear uh, quite fittingly by our continuous second officer on these episodes, Adrienne. Welcome back, Adrienne. Ah, second officer. Yes, thank you. Because if you were about to refer to me as number two, that was going to be a problem. <laughs> no, I suppose technically speaking, if we're going off of the uh, the ship that we're looking at today, second officer, I guess would make you Spock. I'm not quite hey. sure how the uh, <laughs> quite sure how yeah. the rank works back there. But, yeah. That was the first Star Trek T-shirt I ever had. Was just a huge image of Spock's face, and everybody just thought I was so weird. But I wore it all the time. I didn't care. <laughs> as, I, as I would, I would have done exactly the same, Spock and proud. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as I said, we are. if you've just joined us, uh, we have been here for a while, well, for a week. So we have done one episode already, and last week we looked at the episode Balance of Terror from the original series. So it wouldn't take a genius to work out that this week, naturally, we're going to look at those same events and how they would have played out potentially with one or two changes with the, the Strange New Worlds episode, Equality of Mercy the series one finale so yeah it'd be interesting to compare and contrast and we've got done those episodes back to back for a reason on back to back weeks anyway uh and with the same crew here myself dk and adrienne so everything should be in order to stack up and make that uh, a fair comparison but we have other sections with the podcast if you are uh, new to us or if you're just listening by the way on the federation subspace radio network uh, again this is only our second i think episode maybe third that's gone out so welcome back and again don't worry i will go through everything that we are going to be covering and all the various different sections as we go so you shouldn't be lost but uh, if you are new welcome and 
this is a nice safe place hopefully for us all so yeah as i say we will get to that episode review eventually but before we do that i like to always just touch base and do a little bit of an intro uh, in the episode that i like to call healing frequencies open healing frequencies open sir Yes, they all have Star Trek type names because I'm a big nerd. So, yeah. Well, there's not really much left to do this week because, as I said already last week, we know each other pretty well. So, we can't ask the questions I would to new guests about how you came to Star Trek and favorite stuff. And I've already asked you your favorite Romulan themed stuff. So, uh, yeah. How are you doing? You all excited? You've been watching any more Star Trek other than what we've seen? Or I've not really had time to watch much, so I've I only managed to watch Quality and Mercy uh, this time. I really do need to catch up with the last season of Lower Decks though, because I, I still haven't yeah. finished that one. You really do. <laughs> you yeah. have no idea how much it's it's killing me not spoiling that for you for like half a year now <laughs> at this point. But never mind. And uh, how about you, Adrian? Yeah, I am doing a whole bunch of driving again down to uh, the LA Harbor, so I can listen to star trek a lot and um yep season three of lower decks is what i'm listening to over and over and over cool. just it it's distracting <laughs> sometimes to watch it and then uh this way when i mm. listen to it i can just hear all the great like little comments and stuff little snide remarks everybody says or funny things that were said really fast so i i suggest listening to it <laughs> You know, Adrienne, they do actually do Star Trek audiobooks that would be perfectly suited <laughs> rather than having to listen to something with a visual component. That's funny. <laughs> I did download a Star Trek Romulan audiobook to listen to, and oh, I wow. listened to a story, and it was pretty good. It's from the original series. It's, like, set in the first season, and it's a good story. Ooh. What's it called? Oh, I'm going to have to look that up now. Oh, okay. Well, give me a moment. I'm going to have to get it, get back into whilst, it. So whilst move you on. look for it, I will. Yes. <laughs> whilst you look for it, I'm going to let the audience know that speaking of audiobooks, I am about halfway, maybe just more than that, through the um, the autobiography of Captain Janeway audiobook, which randomly came up for free on Audible, which I wasn't expecting. So I downloaded that, and I'm uh, I'm at least fifty to sixty percent through it. Really cool. It's read by Kate Mulgrew as well, which is fantastic because it's obviously. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> Being, you know, purporting to be an autobiography of Janeway gives it that extra air of authenticity, even though it's it's actually written by Una McCormack. Oh, she's awesome. It's edited by. Ah, <laughs> she's amazing. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, the I'm, name... I'm doing that. To... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. No, nope. go ahead. Oh, okay. The name of the book, Star Trek, yeah. Web of the Romulans. And it was narrated oh. by George Takei. But it had some, some <laughs> it had a oh Spock my. playing himself. So it was recorded a long time ago. Leonard so Nimoy. Just George Takei and Leonard Nimoy. That's so weird. Well, oh, it's really the Romulans, sir. The Romulans <laughs> are looking. It uh, is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome to hear George Takei do Kirk. It's hilarious, but oh. great. And at first, when you hear uh, George Mr. Takei, Spock, <laughs> you need to adjust the says all. That is exactly what he sounds like, basically. Sorry, George. <laughs> You're awesome. But well, let's Mike be fair, he's not really going to be kind to William Shatner, is he? Really? Well, he actually did well doing William Shatner. I, okay. I was proud of him. There's probably some help. Kirk bent over and his, his wig fell off. <laughs> Get out, he said. Damn it. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. Not a moon shuttle conductor. <laughs> but it's a really good story. The Romulans get sick and they need help, but they won't admit it. So somebody has to get captured so they can analyze them. And it's a really good story. 
I'll tell you a good one, Adrian, if you've not listened to it. Uh, uh, Probe. Oh, okay. It's, I recommended it's that not only a, Yeah, it's not only a good Romulan story, but it's a, uh, a sequel to uh, The Voyage Home. You're kidding. I didn't know that. No, it's yeah, it's really good. Oh, I've seen it um, in the list, but I haven't I haven't gone there yet. So thank you. Mm. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've just been, if anybody's interested, working my way through uh, the 4K of Star Trek Strange New World Series 2 and the Blu-ray of Star Trek Discovery Series 4. So I recently watched Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and the Discovery episode All In, which I know DK is a fan of because you like Owa Shakun. And I just thought that the entire mm. way through <laughs> as I was watching. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, that gets that out of the way. So the next thing I'm going to do is to get into the section which gives the podcast its name. It's the infamous, he says in inverted commas, hit or miss section. What about my performance? I'm not a drama critic. Basically, what it involves is that I have picked... Uh, we're going to do four this week because I'm trying to keep it a little bit less so that we don't have super long episodes. Uh, so I'm going to basically announce four things completely at random from the Star Trek universe and ask my co-host and guest here who have no idea what's coming, whether they think that thing is a hit or a miss. And because there's three of us, we'll each give our opinion and then come to a consensus and if necessary, debate back and forth. Although last week it went uh, incredibly well and uh, we all ended up agreeing and everything. So... Yeah, <laughs> let's see if we have a little bit more disagreement this week, or if it's if all things are happy and joyful. So yeah, where's yeah, Young Chakotay um, when you need him to be a contrary? Right, we need to bring in Young Chakotay. <laughs> no, we we really don't need to do that just in case he ends up bo- starts boxing us. Oh, and don't, 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 don't. <laughs> and, and DK was never heard from again. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Oh, my word. So, yeah, I have, uh, as I said, four different things. And as I've mentioned before, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I'm just wanting to make sure that everybody uh, is on the same page and knows where we're coming from. Uh, These things will, some of them will be to do with the theme that we have going on. So in this case, Romulans, Uh, some of them won't be just because I don't want to, you know, flood us with all of just that thing. Uh, But the first of the four things today is related to that theme. uh, And it is a character, a character from the next generation. So hit or miss for the character of Romulan Commander Tomalak. And if you're watching on YouTube, the image is on screen. If you need a reminder of who the character is, uh, I can just tell you that he was played by Andreas Katsoulas, who you might know from Babylon 5, more famously. And he appeared throughout Next Generation, primarily in the first couple of seasons, but I think he did make a return appearance in the very last episode, All Good Things. Hopefully that jogs the memory. And TK, we're going to come to you first. And uh, what do you think of this character? It's been a while since I've uh, I've had a rewatch of Next Gen, so I can't really remember him. But Andres Katsoulas, it's an instant hit, regardless of what he does. The man was just a legend, and I'm speaking as a B five fan as well as a Trek fan. And I've just recently finished a rewatch of that, and yeah, the guy was just amazing. So yeah, automatic hit for me. Was a, that was a short and sweet and very quick and to the point. So yes. uh, yeah, Adrian, what about what about you? Can well, you remember the character well enough? And uh, what uh, do you it think was was he in? Was he the one that came to get the defector? Was he the one that was chasing him? Probably. <laughs> You're I asking don't me remember. to remember. <laughs> We're very knowledgeable um, here on the okay, hit on this show. Uh, he <laughs> he's a Romulan and uh, he's uh, way too arrogant. Yeah. 
I should probably have just, I mean, I could have had the page open and just told you what his episodes. Like I said, I know he was a recurring antagonist that appeared in the first few seasons, then disappeared and then briefly reappeared in the last episode. But I should really have had the list of episodes up that he appeared in. Yeah, it seems like you're right. That there probably is, like he probably did appear in the defector chasing the uh, supposed defective, defecting the Romulan, not defective, right. defecting Romulan. Uh, let me see. Appearances. Next Generation, The Enemy, The Defector, okay. Future Imperfect, and All yeah. Good Things. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. He 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 was coming after him, and, and, you know, they played the trick on that guy. So he's so he's he's a grouch, and I'm not a fan. But the character's a hit because, ooh, he's so mean. <laughs> and are you, are you a uh, Babylon 5 fan? Do you know his work as, I think it's Jakar, the character that he played? No, mm, I don't. It is. Thank you, DK. I should have just asked you. <laughs> you, you would have known. <laughs> but, yeah. And I think uh, the actor's great, by the way. He randomly, uh, uh, for the first time, and I don't know why, for the first time last year, I've watched the movie The Fugitive from the 90s, and he's actually in that. And I was like, hey, yeah. fucker. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah great actor. And I, I like he's no character. longer with us, but... Uh... Really? Mm. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, he was a great actor, though. And uh, like I said, he, he did a lot of kind of geek-related stuff as well. Uh, that was all well received, and I like this character. I do remember him being quite an intimidating because you've got to be quite strong to go up against Patrick Stewart as Picard and, and kind of hold your own, especially just over a view screen. And I do remember him being quite a, a cool character. Like for some reason, I genuinely thought he had more appearances than like two in series three, a brief hologram, and then all good things he returns because I thought uh, he had more presence than that. So I'm going to have to say hit. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, again, we are just going to be in. Very joyful, way to Eden style agreement and uh, <laughs> three hits. I think pretty easy to work that one out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. Let's see what we've got next then. Uh, so the next thing on my list is an episode, not really Romulan related or anything. And uh, it's probably a bit redundant to us here, but we have to get this on uh, record for the audience. Uh, so hit or miss for the episode. Uh, and it has come up already today. Subspace Rhapsody. <laughs> 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 oh, Adrian, yes. I'm going to come to you Please. first on this. <laughs> Let's go. Woo! <laughs> Dude, I can't wait till our Toby finally catches up to this and we can all sing together and we can be like drag queens and be overwhelming and just be crazy happy singing these songs. I can't wait. I love this episode so much. He's well on his way to the Buffy musical episode, at least. So we will have that <laughs> if you get to it ever. So, yeah. Yeah, I know how much you love it. You've, you've not stopped talking about this since it aired. I just nope. wanted to make that clear to the audience that you've, <laughs> nope. you've sang the, the lyrics along. Yep. You've texted me to them in various <laughs> places That's and right. everything. You've probably sang it in your car more than once. You've I got always the do. Yes. And it's, <laughs> it's absolutely not time for me to change my paradigm. <laughs> Ah, oh, bless. DK, does uh, does this news really change everything for you? What do you make of this episode? <laughs> what can you say? I think we pretty much covered it before the episode even came up. It's, we did. It's a hit. It is. <laughs> it's a fantastic hit. <laughs> it really is. Uh, yeah, and I, I love it. I, I know it's it's surprising to me when I was doing the, like I put out a thing asking for your review of the year in Star Trek, and 
it seems like a lot of people really hated it. They just weren't, they you know, they don't like musicals. They aren't interested. A lot of them didn't even watch it, which really grates on me because uh, they're just convinced they don't like musicals and you're not allowed to say, oh, well, at least watch it. No, apparently you can't do that. Yeah. But no, I, I have to say, at least in terms of the three people here, I absolutely adore it. I can't wait to reach it on my big season two rewatch and catch it again. I think the songs and lyrics, mm -hmm. uh, the way they were written are fantastic. And it's just fun and it's... Uh, it's catchy and I don't know. I just love it. I think it was great. And I, uh, you know, I was skeptical that a musical episode of Star Trek would necessarily work, but I think it's, it's great. I love it. <laughs> well, there's so uh, much character development in it though. You see a soft mm. side of Una while she's showing leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You I'll see commit. so much of everybody and, and, and Ethan Peck breaks your heart with mm. his I'm song, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm the ex. I mean, just, you get all happy and motivated and thrilled and you're dancing along with um, Sam Kirk. You're doing the arm thing. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Ethan Peck reaches in, grabs your heart, throws it on the ground, lights it on fire, stomps on it, lights it on fire again, stomps <laughs> on it, you know. But then you've got so many other cool little things like the jaunty thing of um, Una telling Kirk, you know, connect to your crew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all wonderful. The my, one of my personal bits, the just random, like very brief uh, couple of uh, of lines or verses with Pike and his girlfriend are just having an argument <laughs> to music. Yeah, in front of everyone. And you know they're this so This is private. a private conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because isn't that really the first true Captain to Captain romance that we've seen? That's actually uh, a true romance? I mean, it I mean, needs been, to be private, you know? There was, there was yeah. Archer. And uh, Hernandez. I mean, Cassidy Yates brings to mind. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, captain to captain. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, she was yeah, a captain yeah. of her ship. That's well, afraid of captain, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, so no, I mean, uh, I, I think it's great. And then, of course, not forgetting, make your blood scream. <laughs> the old cling. That's what uh, sold it for me. Okay. <laughs> which is the one thing that again all the haters are like that was ridiculous it was where it officially went too far and star trek died forever i'm just like oh you people <laughs> don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out because that was what had me finally fully on board star trek forever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean gold lemay come on <laughs> it has to be said that i uh i have glanced at some of the features on the box set as well and there is an alternative version of that song where instead of being k-pop it's kind of like almost in a boy band style <laughs> like operatic style uh same lyrics more or less but i was just like this is brilliant <laughs> just give me this same thing in every music style you could possibly give me <laughs> i'll listen to it all day me yeah. too <laughs> Probably annoyed a fair section of the audience there. Apologies if you don't like that episode, but safe to say that, again, it was a, an overwhelming hit with the three of us here. Mm -hmm. so, and I say, okay. if you didn't like it, just watch it again and see if you still don't like it. And then watch yeah, it again, watch just it to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I alluded to earlier, I am the ship guy. I do love my ships. And I always chuck those into the hit or miss section. So this is related to the ongoing theme. And it is a ship. Uh, so the next thing on the list for today, hit or miss for the... Voldor class Romulan warbird or Voldor type. I've seen it listed as both. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, this is the type that is seen in Star Trek Nemesis, mm -hmm. and I don't think is ever seen anywhere else. So, DK, we'll come to you first. What do you think of this? I actually like this. I piloted this mm -hmm. in uh, Star Trek Online for a little while, and uh, yeah, good handling. I uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like I like the design. It's it's a little it's a little Klingon, mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. yeah. I uh, 
I like it. I, I don't. I, I you know I don't think it's up there with the saying you know the the Derry decks and things like that. But yeah, mm. I'll, 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 I'm going to give it a, a a medium hit. Fair enough. I mean, it's bigger than that. You can't really get an impression of that from the images and stuff. But it is. It's roughly the same kind of comparable size to the Enterprise E. So it is a bit bigger than you know the Romulan bird of prey or the Klingon bird of prey. But yeah, very similar design. I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On top, it, it 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 really could. It really does look evil, though. You know, yeah, and in this shot, it looks almost borgified evil. Mm. Yeah, the green does kind of give it that effect. It's true. Yeah, um, yeah. So hit or miss, Adrian. Then do you reckon what, what side do you come down on? Yeah, it's evil looking. I'll give it a a, a DK medium hit. <laughs> Weirdly enough, I'm kind of on the same page. Like I would call it a hit, but again, like you, DK, I don't think it's quite as good as the Dideradex class. Uh, and it is yeah. kind of bird of prey looking, but I like that, like the Klingon bird of prey, it incorporates the bird motif more without being over the top painting. So it's kind of got the little indented feathers on the wings, uh, yeah. the top of them anyway, which looks pretty cool. And I do like the fact that it kind of, it, it almost fits the Romulans more because it does look a little bit evil and sneaky-ish because it's more compact than the, mm -hmm. the thing that we're used to of the warbird. Um, and again, it, I think it works because when you see it in numbers, it looks a bit more intimidating as opposed mm. to, I think with the original Dideradex class, you could see one of those and be terrified. Whereas this, a fleet of three of them coming at you looks really cool during the, the events of Nemesis, uh, especially when there's three of them and it's flanked by that massive ship that Shinzon has. <laughs> it looks pretty yeah. intimidating, but yeah. I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say a medium level hit for the, the Valdor. So yeah. Random uh, bit of Star Trek trivia for you. The Valdor named after a character who would then go on to appear in Star Trek Enterprise, played by Brian Thompson, the Romulan yeah. guy who's the one who's controlling the drone ship trying to start a war before the Federation. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but the Romulans clearly like him. They named a ship type after him. Yeah, they so. did. So, yeah. Uh, one last thing then, and it's an episode not necessarily kind of related to the theme, but very much related to the episode we're looking at today. Excuse me. Uh, episode of TOS, hit or miss uh, for the episode, the menagerie parts one and two. And Adrienne, I'm going to come to you first for this one. <laughs> oh, yes. An absolute hit. Start off. Th this is the way to start off a series. You know? <sighs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. This is so, just, this is it. And, and all these actors, we, we all know by now, there's Christopher Pike get, with his, his fate. And... It's just a great, great episode. All the great actors, I, should, I love it. I should clarify, I'm not talking about the cage, the actual pilot. I'm talking about the episode of the original series where they use the footage from that as like courtroom yeah. stuff. To, well, they, uh, they, yeah, they had to. Like, they had to take the actual yeah. footage. And, but the ending, it's just the, the ending of this episode is, is re so relevant to the mm. episode we're reviewing today. Mm hmm yeah, well, that's why I included it, because obviously it's the one that shows you Pike's fate and uh, yeah. sort of takes the character run from there. Randomly, I mean, sheer dumb kind of look that that plotline happened entirely just because they couldn't get the actor Jeffrey Hunter back. So they had to do something to disguise poor Sean Kenny, the actor who looked vaguely similar, but poor guy had talcum powder to dye his hair and then had this terrible makeup prosthetic to make uh, him look burned and, and everything. But uh, right. yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it's a fortuitous uh, kind of accident because like I said, mm -hmm. look at the plot lines we've had out of it for the last six decades now. We almost, have, so. we have. Yeah. There's so many things we cool. can take for it. Plus, don't we get to see Spock smile? With yeah, the and Spock's, we, we see Spock's kind of uh, loyalty to his, his former captain and everything. Oh, well, that absolutely. But when he sees the flowers at the beginning, doesn't he smile? 
Yeah, that happens in the cage as well. And, and in the yeah. cage, yeah, yeah. That was a Pink big uh, thing that they, when they did Strange New Worlds, it was a big kind of touching point, they said, because they were like, obviously you can't ignore that that happened. So yeah. we have to address why Spock would not be fully repressed in the Vulcan way at that point we're serving on the enterprise until kirk gets on board so they kind of took that as their excuse to develop that a bit more and that's cool i think personally so yeah awesome. i love it uh, so dk one one beep for hit two beeps for miss what do you make of this? <laughs> hey it's a hit yeah like <laughs> no i really i really like this uh I love the courtroom scenes. I love that you see that uh, aspect of Spock, uh, his loyalty to Pike. Mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I don't think I liked it as a kid. Same as with Balance of Terror last last year. But as as I've grown and stuck with it, it I appreciate it more and more. And on my last last video, I absolutely adored it. Yeah, last week was Balance of Terror, not last year. We should <laughs> let's not let's not wish away a time, DKG. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, with with my time dilation here, it's you know, depending on how much alcohol is involved. Yeah. <laughs> you trapped in that universe from the animated series that we did look at last year, where time runs differently. <laughs> yeah, DK yes. just doesn't want to admit that he has a time crystal from the from Borat. <laughs> <laughs> and you know another yes. good thing about this episode is the green makeup when we turn when she's turned into mm. um an orion, orion basically how, how you can really only tell i mean it just tells you so much about the color green how it alters everything but really yeah. just those are her sparkling blue eyes underneath all that green makeup <laughs> yeah because they give her the black hair and everything she yes i mean she yeah, looks so different yeah I have to say as well, the makeup effects on the stuff, I know it's from the cage, but it does apply here. The makeup effects, not just for Orion, Vina, but like the Talosians, so impressive when you think it was filmed in like 1965. Yeah, like how they, they got yeah. the veins to pulse like that, maybe yeah. with like air or something, like really yeah, good. Yeah, but they just look like they're of a type with the head. It doesn't look like they've got a prosthetic appliance. Yeah, it doesn't like look like that expect. at all. And, no, not at all. That, I mean, I really smooth, that, really perfect. Yeah. When they brought the Talosians back for the first time in Discovery, they had changed the makeup slightly, and frankly, I don't think it looked as good. It, it, <laughs> it didn't need, like, the, the more modern, cool, like, mm -hmm. doing things to it and making it look yeah. more advanced, I think, just hurt it. I think you should have just literally, like, don't you don't fix what ain't broke. It's perfect as it is, even if it is basic 60s effects. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, like I said, it's iconic now, but we look at the kind of the effect of the accident on Pike. It's still really haunting i mean like i said we've seen now it updated with the kind of melting face horror image of uh anson mount a few times and that's effective don't get me wrong but only because we know what we've seen here incidentally yeah. i was reading about this episode and the actual big main burn scar down sean kenny's face apparently a bit of denim just stuck to his face handy yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah. huh. so, tip for cosplayers yeah. there <laughs> I don't know, like, because apparently it wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> so, yeah. No wonder he's Maybe so grouchy. <laughs> uh, I have a really random story about this as well, because I was I was aware this was coming up, and I've never realized, I've kind of read in passing a few times that they changed the voice of the Talosian Keeper, the main Talosian character with the kind of necklace, because in the original version of the cage that they filmed, the actor who did the voice of that character was the actor Malachi Throne. Uh, who does appear in an episode we're reviewing next week, but 
not been well enough of that for now. We'll get to that later. But he also appears in the menagerie as Commodore Jose Mendez. So because they were using footage from the cage within that episode to make it less obvious that they just used the same actor, they made the Talosian Keeper's voice really high-pitched. And it sounds like more feminine and squeaky. Mm. Um, and so that's the only version I've ever heard. Because even in the other versions of the cage, obviously, which they've kind of brought out since, they keep that voice. And I've never heard the original. And I went on YouTube yesterday just thinking, I want to hear what this sounded like to people that were watching in like the 80s when the cage first came out. as oh, this lost thing or whatever. Or, uh, you know, the original intention before it was used for the menagerie or whatever. And. Yeah, you can go find it on YouTube, and it is so weird to see that it's the same lines. They've just pitch shifted it, and you can hmm. kind of tell it's still in there. But, yeah, hearing the voice of, uh, of Commodore Mendez coming out of the Tolosian Keeper is just so weird. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> it's one of those weird kind of things that, like, it's it's a deep, nerdy dive. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link if you want to this video. I ended up down a rabbit hole last night because somebody's <laughs> made a five-part video uh, on YouTube with six different versions of the cage, all which have different things. And he compares and contrasts for five, 10 to 15 minute videos, everything from the different visuals to the different cuts, different music, different audio. And I was like, this is fascinating. And I only went in to try and listen to the original Kiba voice. And next thing you knew, I'd watched like a full hour of comparing the six versions <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> I was like, well, if I wasn't already a huge nerd, I think I've proven the fact now. <laughs> uh yeah anyway <laughs> i might put that link in the episode description for the audience to check out as well if you're watching on our youtube or uh, podcast stations but yeah so uh again bit boring everyone complete hit all around for all of the hit on this section yet again <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to try and pick something a bit more divisive for the next time i do a hit or miss section which i think is in a couple of weeks i think i'm uh i think i'm calling on you to do one for the next episode we're recording dk so yeah uh, yeah get your thinking cap on so <laughs> expect that. some completely random entries coming <laughs> yeah i'm expecting star trek fasa role-playing game obscure things yeah. from the uh, Earth <laughs> movies and you know it's <laughs> a class of ship i've never seen or heard of before <laughs> Yeah, cool. Uh, so that concludes the hit on this section. Like I said, all positive, which can't be a bad thing, but I will try and put some things which I think might be a bit more divisive, uh, lest the audience get very bored. But that's uh, that's that done. And so we're going to move on to the next thing, which is the actual big bulk of the episode, the episode review. And as I said, we're looking at this week's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, A Quality of Mercy. And so without further ado, I will begin analysis of that episode. Before we go any further, then, uh, this is where I'm going to put Adrienne on the spot and embarrass her. Because last week, Adrienne, you okay. came to us with a new idea when it comes to the reviews of these episodes, Hello. where you're going to give us a limerick that describes the episode. Have you oh. done one this week? <laughs> <laughs> I did three. Oh, even oh, better. Because I, I kept thinking of themes in the show and I couldn't pick them so they just kept coming into my head so I, yes. I don't know which one to pick but I'll, I'll read one yes, an, I, an idea by the way audience we're well aware we brazenly stole from the Delta Flyers podcast but oh, we totally did. Uh, <laughs> brought it up last week and now I can't not do it especially whenever <laughs> she's on so. no, it's, it's, oh. it's not a theft it's a homage it is it's an homage <laughs> yes. Yes. yes yes and they're Absolutely. great Yes. I'm trials and tribulationing their ideas. I'm incorporating myself into their <laughs> <Yeah>. content. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, Adrienne, take it away then. Give us your first limerick oh, for gosh. quality. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Justin, want me to read, read one and then read read some read the others oh, yes. at other times? Okay. 
when you're when you're done, I have some. In fact, I'm breaking up and I'll give you my thing in between. So we'll start. With oh, this great! Then... Oh, did you write a haiku? Did you? Are we really? We are usurping <laughs> their entire podcast. They're going to give us a cease and desist order in the mail really soon. Okay. Hey, we're all trekkies okay. here. <laughs> okay, here's the first one. Both pikes search for a way, while Kirk keeps the bad guys at bay. A time crystal is near, the Romulans appear, and the future is always in play. Oh, I love that. Ooh, that was fantastic. That, is nice. that was that gave me chills, that one. I Aww. like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, before you do your second one, then, should I give you my haiku? Yeah, let's hear the haiku. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with the structure of haiku, I think it is a Japanese uh, mm -hmm. art form. It's basically Japanese. a poem where um, it's a three-line poem. And it has to have five syllables in the first line, seven in the second line, and five again in the third line. Uh, so I've done one of those to describe this episode, and uh, hopefully it's not too terrible. So here goes my haiku. Future Pike is here to show how much we need Kirk to beat Romulans. That's it. <laughs> Simple as that. Wow, that's cool, because that says this exact episode. Yep. That <laughs> really is. Yeah. It really is this episode. And all of mine have Kirk and Pike in them too. So DK, we're wanting you to do like a freeform dance or something and then put it on like a little Well, you could always do the Armin Shimmerman thing and describe the episode title for us and give us the meaning of the <laughs> Oh, we'd be but going in this to case tell. it's kind of difficult to uh I mean I think we all basically know the definition of the words quality and mercy, so it's not really much. Yeah. That's true. Well, uh, Adrian, if you give us your second uh limerick. Oh. DK, okay, okay. DK has just actually uh, come up with the uh, meaning of the episode's title. I, I'm, I'm aware. If you, check, if you check Facebook Messenger, DK, you've just come up with it. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the second, so, yeah. the second limerick. That maroon uniform looks great, but Pike's weird week won't abate. Jim Kirk is aghast, but then he acts fast. Will Captain Pike still meet his fate? Oh, again, very, you've gone for deep instead of funny this week. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, liking, I'm liking what you're doing here. Okay, okay. So we've got a third one still to come. I like something to look forward to. Exciting. So DK, uh, your, your hard re work and research, what have you come yeah, up with for the title of I, this episode? I, I pawed over the books for this one. It's, uh, yeah, the title references the quote from the uh, William Shakespeare play The Merchant of Venice, as well as a Twilight Zone episode of the same name, that featured actors Leonard Nimoy, Dean Stockwell, and Michael Pataki. Uh, coincidentally, the phrase is also recited in an episode of The Orville. You know how much I love that. Uh, New Horizons, Domino, written by Brandon Braga and Andre Balmanis, that was streamed a few months later. Mm. Yes, so, indeed. So, yeah. <laughs> I love The Orville. I, oh, so yes. good. So good. Still hoping, holding out some kind of vain hope that we might get a season four. Yeah, I know. If, uh, McFarlane wasn't too busy making a blooming Ted TV series and stuff. That's <laughs> so <tough. sighs> <Aww>. Anyway. <laughs> Never mind, eh? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know it was a Shakespeare quote, actually, uh, DK. So, yeah. Pretty cool that they uh, they get literary on us. <laughs> I knew there was a... Um, go ahead. I was going to say the odd thing is... You know, I mean, obviously, I just did my research now. But the odd thing is, before I did my research, I did actually know that. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. You could have chimed in with it anyway. Then <laughs> I was, I was going to say it, but then I just thought, well, if that's all I'm going to say, I better just leave it. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did that sudden research and expounded on it just a little. <laughs> 
Awesome, awesome. So go on then, Adrienne, your third and final limerick. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> plot. Here we go. Jim Kirk is a mining craft jock, and our Captain Pike is in shock. Romulans can sure smirk, and that Praetor's a jerk, but it's not a good day to lose Spock. Yes. Oh, I love it. That might be my favorite. <laughs> Just any mention of Spock will immediately get me, get me excited. Yes. Yep. Love it. And yeah, that Prato is just such a jerk. Isn't she? Oh. <laughs> Never have I wanted to just verbally slap a character more in yes. my life. And she would have put Sela to shame. Sela looks it's like a big so... old fool compared to this one. She's so vicious, though, when he's like, oh, it's yeah. okay. Pike thinks he's being like cocky and, and does that finally un. Kind of Pike very Kirk like I'll show you the evidence if you want. Shows mm-hmm. her the video and she's just smirking, watching the whole mm-hmm. time, and goes, mm-hmm. "Well then," and then destroys the poor guy. Like yeah. this was a calling, yeah. Captain. He should never have been caught. I'm like, "Jeez, <laughs> you vicious b-word! What are you? What are you exactly. doing here, man?" <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. So yeah, um, that's uh, kind of a good start. But I do have a little bit of behind-the-scenes information. I say a little bit. It seems like there's a lot here. <laughs> there we go. Oh, my word. What have I written? I'm trying to try and get, try and get through that. <sighs> That's how much I have. <laughs> I'm going to try and get through that as quick as I can. But uh, just to give you something to listen to whilst I'm doing that, let me see. Can I play a little bit of the uh, the old instrumental music? Courtesy of Timeless uh, Journey. There we go. I just want it in the background. I don't need it to overwhelm me. <laughs> there we go. That's better. So yeah, hopefully that'll keep us entertained while I while I drone on about this. So yeah, uh, this episode depicts the events of the original series Balance of Terror, as I mentioned, uh, but shows uh, how they unfolded in an alternate timeline in which Pike prevents the accident that led to his severe disablement. Beep. In this case, the encounter with the Romulan Bird of Prey led to a years-long war between the Federation and the Romulan Empire. Uh, Ortegas behaves partially similar to Lieutenant Stiles, who was the Enterprise's navigator during this incident in the Prime timeline. Both jump to the conclusion that the attacking vessel is Romulan before it is proven. Both advocate for firing on the Romulan ship, but while Stiles expresses complete paranoia and distrust towards Spock after the Vulcan and Romulan similarities are revealed, Ortegas displays calm and direct curiosity, probably because of their years of service together, uh, so she wouldn't necessarily suspect Spock to be a Romulan spy like Stiles did. While Ortegas's gruff and officious demeanour towards Romulans are for reasons unknown, Stiles explains that he uh, lost ancestors during the Earth-Romulan War, uh, and Ortegas' snarky but good-humoured behaviour still display is still on display by asking about the pointy-eared elephant in the room. I think we can probably assume she just tires of war. We've had a bit of the backstory of her in the Klingon War, so I, I can buy that. Um, yeah. Immediately before the Enterprise goes to Red Alert, Pike is officiating a wedding in the cargo hold of the Enterprise, just as Kirk was between the same crew members Robert Tomlinson and Angela Martine. In this episode, it's Martine who dies as a result of the attack, rather than Tomlinson, as in the Prime timeline. You have to really be eagle-eyed to notice that. You just see her body as uh, Pike enters sickbay at the very end of the the episode there. So, it's there, though. (laughs) Uh, The Romulans on board the Bird of Prey in the alternate timeline appear to be Northerners. (sighs) <sighs> Star Trek Picard, as evidenced by their forehead ridges. In the prime timeline, the Romulans did not have forehead ridges, which made their appearance identical to Vulcans. Do we really need to explain every little bit of makeup? Come on, people. <laughs> I 
Well, we're grown up here. Anyway, the relationship between the Romulan commander and sub-commander in this episode mirrors that of the commander and Decius, or Decius in the prime timeline. Like Decius, the sub-commander also dispatches a coded message to the Romulan Praetor with an update on the engagement's progress against the orders of his superior. However, in this timeline, the message is successful and draws the Romulan fleet. This episode establishes that Pike's accident takes place seven years after the events of Strange New World Season 1, or at least this episode. This is a shorter time frame than the ten years Pike suggests in the pilot Strange New Worlds. In the alternate timeline, Spock says that the accident took place quote-unquote six months ago. Therefore, in the prime timeline, Pike's accident, Kirk being assigned command of the Enterprise, and the events of Balance of Terror take place within a period of six months. If the season one episodes of the original series take place in broadcast order, then the events of the Menagerie Parts 1 and 2, which aired before Balance of Terror, also take place during that same busy six-month period. However, they were produced after it, and the production order is usually intended to reflect the chronological order they were supposed to be viewed. In this case, the Menagerie would be set after the aforementioned six-month period. <sighs> we're nerds, we know these things. Sounds like one of our schedules. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, in the alternate timeline, Pike's core crew remains fundamentally unchanged with Spock, Uhura, now a lieutenant, Mbenga, Chapel, Ortegas, Mitchell, and George Samuel Kirk still present, and even sporting the same hairstyles as years earlier, though Chapel is at least now wearing a blue jacket with a uniform. Ortegas and Mitchell sit on opposite sides of the helm console to where they sit in the present day. The main exceptions are Una, who was incarcerated, probably for being discovered as an Illyrian, and La'an, who is now a commander serving aboard the Farragut until its destruction, and now wears a gold command uniform rather than the security red. In the prime timeline, George Samuel Kirk left Starfleet when his brother became captain of the Enterprise, as we find out in What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, James Kirk had not become captain of the ship in the alternate timeline, and so his brother remains aboard the Enterprise. Fair enough. The alternate future Pike wears an updated version, as uh, Adrienne was alluding to there, of the Starfleet Monster Maroon uniform introduced during the late 2270s with the rank insignia of a rear admiral. This episode marks the first live-action appearance of that uniform since Voyager's flashback. A, pho uh, a photograph of Pike shaking hands with Robert April is also briefly visible. The circumstances are unknown, but presumably the image is from when Pike received command of the Enterprise from April. As such, this is the first time April has been shown in the context of being captain of the Enterprise. Both officers are wearing the style of Starfleet uniform not seen since the Menagerie Parts 1 and 2, other than the recap that opens if memory serves from Discovery, and is basically the same uniforms worn in the cage. Why they feel the need to have that in a photograph and not include it in any of the episodes is a mystery, but never mind. <laughs> in the alternate timeline, Pike is still a captain, even though the Menagerie established he was a fleet captain and had already passed on the captaincy of the Enterprise to Kirk by the time of his accident. It's suggested that in the alternate timeline, the promotion never occurred, meaning Pike would not have been present at the time of the accident, if it even occurred at all, which is why Pike remained in command of the Enterprise. And furthermore, the altered future is where the prime version of Pike apparently meets Kirk for the first time, setting in motion the later decision to give command of the Enterprise to him. I swear I'm almost done. <laughs> in the alternate timeline, as in the prime timeline, Spock advises attack, reasoning that if the, reasoning that if the Romulans are indeed unreformed Vulcans, they will, they will respect a willingness to fight back and even strike preemptively. The future Pike expresses knowledge of the role Spock played in Romulan Vulcan reunification. More on that coming up later in the series. He suggests that the prospect of uh, reproachment between the Federation and the Romulan Empire in the Prime timeline is one of his primary motivations for changing the past. Uh, assuming Pike retains memories of his visit to the future, then he is now aware of the Vulcan-Romulan similarities, uh, a fact that does not become general knowledge till Kirk's Prime timeline encounter with the Romulans and... See it with me? Yes, it does bug me no end. <laughs> 
So, Kirk mentions his father serving aboard the USS Kelvin, tying in with the backstory of Star Trek 2009, before moving to the USS Charleston, apparently. Though the audio is cut off, he appears to state his father later moved to Tarsus IV, tying into James Kirk's backstory established in the original series The Conscience of the King. In the Prime timeline, George Kirk was known to be alive as of 2265, as Spock Prime had mentioned that the Elder Kirk lived long enough to see James become captain of the Enterprise. And finally, in the alternate timeline, the status of, status of Janice Rand, Hikaru Sulu, and Leonard McCoy is not established. Whew! <laughs> Thanks wow, for speaking right. with me through all of that. I didn't quite realize how much I had written. <laughs> so, any uh, any thoughts on uh, on any of that from you guys? Then? I feel like sure I'll pack up and go home now. You've <laughs> you pretty much covered everything. In two timelines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just <True>. that good. <laughs> the multiverse of Mightness. <laughs> it's still better than that awful Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's fair enough. So did you guys have, as I always ask, do you guys have any kind of uh, overall spoiler-free as possible thoughts on this episode? And uh, again, do you remember the first time you saw it, which seems a redundant question, it wouldn't have been that long ago, it's a fairly recent episode, and do you remember what you thought uh, when you first saw the episode, and uh, Adrienne, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, I remember I was drifting in and out of sleep, I was falling asleep watching it, um, and I <laughs> That's was... a good recommendation of the episode, isn't it, really? <laughs> I, I, I had my hey, that's how pilot. I approach most <laughs> 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 I, I was falling asleep so my eyes were closed and i'm going wait am i dreaming isn't that from the original series episode what's going on so then when i <laughs> i woke i fell asleep at that point woke up and watched it the next day and i just remember thinking to myself the writers really really went crazy on this one like they really had to be careful and do a lot of change, you know, like I picture them all with little stickies and on a big whiteboard and saying, okay, at this point in the episode, we have to put this here and then we have to do this. And should we do this? Yeah. It's, it's very well written. So at least, at least that's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. There's definite reverence. And uh, if you haven't heard it, we did an interview with Fred Bronson, um, a writer for the animated series, a close friend of Gene Roddenberry and a lifelong Trekkie. And uh, definitely he he said he loved this episode. He loved the reverence it had for Balance of Terror and mm -hmm. the use of repeated dialogue and uh, yeah. the view of those events from a different sort of point of view. So it yeah. comes highly recommended. It say, does. And there's so many points in it where there's this a scene and the music is like exactly the same. And that's, it's mm -hmm. really, I think that's really exciting actually. Yeah. Oh, I'll get to some of that. Cause I've written, I've kind of noted down a lot of the sort of where there's, let's be kind and say homage before we get yeah. sued by Delta flyers for calling things being ripped off. <laughs> but yeah, homages to that episode. Um, I think somebody in the audience interaction section did say this, but it is a bit of a shame that they didn't credit Paul Schneider among the episode writers, considering how heavily it borrows from Balance of Terror. But I think we as fans all know that. So hopefully uh, we can at least show that respect internally in our head canon. Uh, yeah, because yeah, Gene, Gene Roddenberry is listed. Oh, well, yeah, he's listed as yeah. uh, based on Star Trek created by Dean Rodberry, yeah. but not listed as an episode writer. So, yeah, yeah. Um, anyhow, DK, what about you? Uh, strangely enough, I was kind of drifting in and out of sleep when I first saw this one. I, <laughs> I swear this episode I, won't put you to sleep. No, it's like, not no, the it's... episode's fault. It's probably just because we were binging and it's midnight. It's time I for was, bed. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was absolutely shattered when I put this on. So it's not the episode's fault at all. But I was kind of, you know, sometimes when you're in, 
half asleep and you're kind of grouchy didn't really take to it at first i watched it again the day after and <laughs> to me it, to me it was it's one of my favorites from season one i mm -hmm. uh i really did enjoy it there's the, the certain things i didn't like and one of them's the, the most petty thing in the world but I'll probably get to that. Uh, oh, I can't wait yeah. to hear that. Yeah, I want to hear. Uh, you know me. I'm the I'm the king of paste. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, it it it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Uh, so yeah, but afterwards I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I'm surprised they fit. I mean, we use this this term quite a lot when we're talking about episodes. Uh, but they fit so much into this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not only does it pretty much fit the entire plot of Balance of Terror, but it has so much more going on besides. And I think mm -hmm. the writers did an incredible job. They really did. Absolutely I did, incredible. Uh, I did check on the uh, 4K while I was watching it, by the way. This episode is exactly one hour long, so it's not 45 minutes as you might be used to, uh, which is probably part of how it fits a lot in. Like I said, mm -hmm. in this day and age of sort of streaming and everything, there's no real consensus when it comes to the length. Like it had, it used to be that you had to be, I think in the time of the original series, you had to be 50 minutes to fit in commercials. Mm -hmm. Then in the time that since we were born in like the 80s onwards, it was 45 minutes to fit in commercials to get to an hour long time slot. Now there's no such thing as commercials because we are all streaming and everything. So you can just be however long you want the episode to be, uh, which I think does give you a bit more freedom at times, which is I think a very good thing. And I, I appreciate it, especially in episodes like this, because I, I wouldn't have lost any of this hour. Personally, yeah. that's fantastic. No. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I was wide awake when I watched this. I have to say, I, I watched all of Strange New Worlds as it came out, and I was loving what I was seeing because I'm, I've, you know, I've been a hardcore Trekkie as I've mentioned many times since being a teenager. And I liked series one a lot, various different episodes. Uh, but I think this episode, as as DK will agree with me, came at the right time because the episode directly before it, I hate it so much. <laughs> Ah, uh, you know the one I'm referring yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, I know the one you're referring to, and I'm pretty much yeah. on the same page with you on that. And yeah. Yes, this was a turnaround. Yeah, so at that point, I was kind of like, I liked Strange New Worlds. It was very much keeping me interested, and I was loving everything they were doing. Then that episode came up, and I was ready to basically not just give up on watching Strange New Worlds, but throw my TV out of the window. <laughs> but then, I can remember you saying at the time, if, if, if this is how they're going to go, I'm done. Yeah. And then the week after it was like, okay, I've changed my mind. I love this. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's just night and day, like how you can be so yeah. disrespectful in one episode to what's gone before and then so respectful the very next week. <laughs> but anyway, mm -hmm. we're not here to review that god-awful alien xenomorph gone episode. We're here to review the quality. Are, are we talking about all those who wander just so I can be yep. sure? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad one. That was. But every, you know... You're gonna have your your bad episodes. It's just mm -hmm. gonna happen. So yeah, I mean, I accept know, them. I accept them. You know, I don't even, like among the lotus eaters. I mean, I, mm. you know, that's I don't just gonna happen. Them. I don't blame them for just bad episodes or for just things that aren't to everyone's taste. Like I'm not overly fond of Under the Cloak of War in series two, but I can accept that it's a good enough episode for a lot of people and they might like it. But mm. without wanting to get into a full review of uh, all those who wonder, <laughs> they were just. It wasn't just bad episode. It was like every possible decision that they made in that episode was the wrong one. Yeah. Every but single the, moment of writing was just, what are you doing and why? <laughs> you know? but the strange thing yeah. is, every time I see people talk about it online, I feel a bit like the kid from Emperor's New Clothes because 
a lot of people loved that episode and said, oh, it was so good, I was terrified. And and I'm just thinking, have you, have you never seen Aliens? Mm. <laughs> Possibly mm. not. But yeah, Quiet Mercy was a complete turnaround. I loved it. I, I so was here for all of the, like like Fred Bronson, as I mentioned, when we interviewed him, I was here for all of the... Uh, the, the Fred Bronson with the deep cut nerd references and stuff. And I loved all of that. And yeah, it was it was totally for me. So uh, right, we'll break down the episode uh, in a moment, but first we're gonna take a very brief break, grab a cup of tea. If you are listening on subspace or uh, on YouTube, you can stay tuned for a quick advert and we'll be back in a few moments. Action. Where the Silver Screen podcast. Hey there, film buffs. I'm DK, your cult movie Uber Geek, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Wilson. That's right, folks. We're your guides through the world of cinema, from beloved classics to the hottest films in the zeitgeist. On the Silver Screen Podcast, we dive deep into film culture. Join us as we review movies with honesty and respect, offering our unique take on what makes them tick. And don't forget our Silver Screen Cult Classics episodes. We'll take you on a journey through the hidden gems, the cult films that deserve more love, and the stories behind them. We've a blast welcoming all manner of movie-loving guests for lively discussion and to share our love of films. Their passion and knowledge make every episode a cinematic adventure. Plus, we'll give you our own scores straight from the heart out of five stars. You'll hear our honest verdict, no matter how much we geek out about a film. And remember what Arnie said, we'll be back. So don't miss a single episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. Subscribe now to the Silver Screen Podcast YouTube channel or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Let's embark on a cinematic journey like no other. Whether you're a casual moviegoer or a true cinephile, the Silver Screen Podcast is your ticket to film magic. And cut. cut. We're back. Uh, we're looking, if you are uh, just joining us, well, weird thing to say when you're watching a YouTube video, this isn't broadcast television, <laughs> but we are looking at the Strange <laughs> New Worlds episode, A Quality of Mercy, and our continuing look at all things Romulan. And if you are new to us or you're just a little unfamiliar, the way we break this down just for our own notes and to keep things a little structured is to get sections going like writing and plot, direction, VFX, acting, music and sound, etc. But again, we don't rigidly stick to that if the conversation flows one way and it seems to you know, en- uh, encapsulate something from a different section. We just let the conversation go with it rather than being all uh, rigid and missing anything or uh, you know, strictly adhering to some kind of overly logical system. We're not Vulcans. So, <laughs> so we're going to start with the writing and the plot. And I do have a very brief thing just to explain about uh, about this before we start. So again, apologies. I know you're probably sick of my voice. <laughs> I promise you'll hear less of me next week. But for now, let me just say, uh, in terms of the writing and the plot, that obviously in this episode, Pike is shown a future where he avoids the accident uh, that we know Pike has, but Spock is injured instead. The episode combined three big ideas, which came from the writer's room. It retells the original series episode, Balance of Terror, with this series cast and modern effects. It tells a Ghost of Christmas future-inspired story where Pike is visited by an older version of himself. And it explores why Spock is willing to go to unbelievable lengths for Pike in the original series episode, The Menagerie. Uh, Akiva Goldsman, producer and writer, said the episode was about changing Pike's fate from a curse to a choice. And Anson Mount said that Pike was more resolute and free after deciding not to try to change his future, which I think is a, a nice way of looking at this. So, yeah, uh, with that out of the way, then, what uh, what did you guys want to bring up about the writing? It's pretty obvious what uh, what we're dealing with here. So I'll throw it open to you. Do you guys want to start us on one of the, the main big things with the episode? Well, I have something. Um, I like how it uh, humanized a starship captain. I, I love what they did with Pike. But also... I like how they took the Romulans from the TOS episode 
and they made them clearly more kind of smarmy more I, uh, I didn't love that personally I think no. it just removed a dimension from them a bit of a, a, which is a bit of a shame well we're <laughs> we're used to that like we're used to those Romulans being how they are right now and I I liked I mean I loved the original one but I thought that this kind of helped us more in universe understand like here's one of the Romulan commander who's kind of willing to think about it you know, showing like maybe how we got to unification. He he he's willing to think for a minute, but leadership is not, and it just shows how the leadership of the Romulans is really just ugh, really smarmy. Yeah. Like they just want to destroy everything. I yeah. hear you, and I I don't disagree in terms of it's nice that it shows you that extra depth of showing what the government or the leadership are prepared to do but for me and again this is a little bit to do with acting and I feel a bit cruel saying it but for me Matthew McFadden I believe the actor is playing a Romulan commander is just mm -hmm. not a patch on Mark Leonard his performance is just oh, it's yeah. nowhere near as good and it doesn't give you those levels and mm -hmm. even when it's giving him the same dialogue and the same kind of tragic level to that I just I do not feel it in quite the same way maybe it's just because we just watched Balance of Terror like a week mm -hmm. ago but for me, it's just, it's not comparable and it's a bit of a shame. I, I personally would have, I don't know if I would have recast because it's not like he's giving the worst performance in the world. It's just not, it's not the character that we know and love. And it's it's weird because Strange New Worlds are so good at casting new people in roles that we mm -hmm. know that are so good. I mean, you know, Jess Bush as Nurse Chapel or Celia Rose Gooding as Uhura. Uh, even in this episode, I was completely sold by Paul Wesley as the new James Kirk. And yet this character is just like, it's you're not even coming close, buddy. I, I, I feel bad for saying it, but you're just not quite there. And also, and I know other people have mentioned this, they really did miss a trick by not just casting James Frain, who plays Sarek uh, in Discovery in this role, because it would have been <laughs> such a good in-joke for the fans to do that, man. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> I mean, no, he's a great actor, so he probably could have pulled it off. But yeah, I was I was waiting for it to be him, just for like, uh, fun reasons. So, yeah. What about you, Dika? Do you kind of, where are you? Because you right. kind of, I heard you sort of humming and hawing the agreement. Yeah. Uh, First of all, with the best will in the world to the actor, whenever I see him, I just think, uh, from what? Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> uh, oh, my word. He is. It's Rain Wilson from Galaxy yeah. Quest. It's the same hair and everything. <laughs> so, but. We need your help. Yes. The, the. Thing the smarminess that Adrian were referring to, that's that's the entire kind of BS, as it were, that kind of leaves me cold when it comes to the Romulans. And I like Matt Leonard's portrayal because it was the antithesis of that. It was, you know, there was a strength there. There was a a guy that's, you know, he's duty bound, yeah, but <clears throat> he had to go through with what. This played up the more recognisable aspects of Romulan culture that we've come to know as Star Trek fans over the years. And it's that kind of thing that kind of leaves me a little, you know, a little, a little cold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, thankfully, the, the writing in the rest of the episode didn't, it wasn't a complete turn off for me. But every time you no. went to the Romulan ship, I, I inwardly winced a little because, oh, here we go. You know, so... 
in the interest of fairness, I will say it didn't always do that for me. There are times when this new guy comes very close and the writing does because it does something new. So in the kind of equivalent scene where the, the commander is dressing down the guy who, you know, is very gung-ho and wants to attack. And I can't remember the exact dialogue, but the way he's just like, look, you're young. I'm old. I've seen these wars. I've had family lost in these things. There's nothing glorious about it. You obey your orders. I was like, yeah, more like that. Rather yeah. than like when he's dealing with Pike on the view screen, he just comes across as like, oh, <laughs> smarmy. <laughs> and then, like I said, so that when you get to the fantastic line from Balance of Terror, when it comes, it just feels like, well, that was a 360 turn from everything you've just said, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but for me, yeah. he, he has to be suspicious at first. It's his nature, you know, like the scorpion. That's, he has to amazing. be that way. Yeah. But for me, Pike watches this man accept his fate right in front of his eyes. Mm. Like he yeah. he watches this man say, it's who we are. Even when Pike says, look, let's get you out of there. And, well, it's who we are. And he watches that happen and... Then he says that line, and I I really liked it. I, I just felt like it was a hollow imitation at that point of the, the mm -hmm. moment from Bounds of Terror with Kirk watching Mark Leonard. And I'm mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you – like, there's ways to be suspicious. I think Mark Leonard's version was very suspicious and, and very intimidating anyway. What oh, yeah. comes across as isn't that. It's just smarmy. It's mm -hmm. just cocky. It's just kind of like – Oh, you, mm. you want to try and take us on do you oh, bring it on which is <laughs> yeah. just very like eh, why are you acting like this and then completely like i said when the dialogue says the opposite it just feels like it's it's jarring because he's went from we'll destroy you we can't we don't care to like i don't want war what are we gonna do <laughs> but yeah I, I will say like i did like i don't mind if there is a counterpoint to these other romulans seeing these other ones and i find it interesting when they can be as vicious as this so i didn't really mind the praetor appearing and being like that i just wish there'd been more of a like i said a, a clash against that from the romulan commander mm -hmm. i was shocked at how vicious she was and i was kind of like oh this is the real threat this is the mm -hmm. threat that was off screen throughout the original series that now we're seeing and oh boy we had reason to be afraid you know yeah we watched her blow up her own folks yeah exactly oh. um what did you make of that character of the Praetor now that we actually saw her on screen then, uh, DK? Uh, <clears throat> I would like to see more of the character. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. hoping we get an opportunity. Uh, I don't see how she... we can, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, obviously that was an alternate timeline and you never know. I, I fully agree with Pike. I do not like her. Uh, yeah. But I do think <laughs> she's... I do think she's a, a, a really good character and, she, you know, it was never, it was never just going to conclude peacefully, not with a character like that. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I do think the character did serve up that, uh, that feeling of, that essence of a threat that they only yeah. refer to in, in Balance of Terror. And she did a really good job with that. I think, I think mm -hmm. it was good. As I say, I... When when you compare this character to say, Sela as we were doing no. earlier, Sela <laughs> is kind of like a pantomime version almost. Oh, um, yeah, Praetor in this could just chew her up and spit her out. It's, yep, it, it, it's night and day. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's probably just as well they were off screen because chances are it wouldn't have been a woman in the original series if we did no. see the Praetor. Whereas you get a chance to do that here. Um, yeah. Maybe I mean, we get to meet her as a sub commander or something. 
Maybe it'll it's be just, the same you can't, you can't meet the Romulans in Strange New Worlds. It's already bad enough that Pike knows the Vulcan Romulan connection and just doesn't tell anybody, as I said. Which mm, this, this, <laughs> this is Star Trek. If you know, when you look at, you know, you've just watched yeah. it tomorrow and turn tomorrow and tomorrow. I said tomorrow. True, that does have a wrong <laughs> But uh, you know, it it's fiction. There are always workarounds. Yes. I see, but I hate that. I hate when Strange New Worlds does that. I really don't like when it keeps messing with like tell your own stories. I I'm happy for you to do pre-TOS stuff, and there's lots to deal with there. The moment you start treading on ground that you shouldn't, it's just shaky, especially with what they've done already with the Gorn and stuff. It's like I don't want you to touch anything else from TOS because you're just gonna mess it up. And yeah, keep the Romulans in this because it's Balance of Terror and it's in that alternate future, fair enough. But I don't want to see them again. I'm done now. Like I said, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow I'm fine with because she was disguised as a human and she only made brief reference to ears, which is, you know, nothing. So there's no reason to worry about that. And yeah, do stuff like that by all means. Keep it, you know, oblique, keep it a bit vague. But don't do not do a full-on Romulan episode because then you're just going to have to explain it and that's yet more things from TOS. I mean, it's bad enough that we have completely to cut out every reference that Spock makes to the invisibility shield as some new fangled thing because we've seen so bloody many at this point now that it's just so jarring when that's missing, when you know Balance of Terror as well as this big nerd. And it's like, well, this would be the point where you mention the invisibility screen, but at this point it's not even special. So you don't bring it up because... You've ruined it now, you know. We've just gone too far into this stuff. Um, anyway, prequelitis, I suppose. <laughs> uh, did you guys notice that, by the way? Or was that just me that kind of missed the thing about the cloaking device? I I, I didn't notice that, so... Okay. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a big part of the episode, when, uh, first in Balance of Terror, and yet it's barely touched on here, except for just kind of like a kind of a sneak attack. And it briefly decloaks files on the Enterprise, and then it's just never mentioned because, like I said, they can't go, oh my gosh, what is that technology? Because we've seen it a million times. We just fought a war with the Klingons who are all using cloaked ships. <laughs> anyway, ah, neither here nor there. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> it's time for a Joel Hodgson gif. <laughs> we've not used it in a while. I think it should make a return. It has been a while. Uh, that's the the audio audience are now thinking, what are you on about? That's just DK's yeah. way of telling me, by the way, audience, if you're an MST3K fan, that it's just a show I should probably just relax. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will try. I will. So, yeah, what else uh, What else to do with, like, kind of, because that's obviously a big part is the Balance of Terror redo. So what else kind of stands out from that for you guys that I might not have already touched on? And, uh, and did you want to mention anything specifically? DK, we, we continue this time. I did love, uh, obviously, the the musical cue. Uh, it's, mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. the scene the scenes played almost, you know, bit for bit with the one from Balance of Terror, where you know, everybody looks to Spock, and the musical cue that they use from the original series is just not just, just the musical cue. The direction, the camera move, Ethan Peck's yes. eyebrow, it is identical. It's it so is. good. <laughs> and I'll also go on to certain scenes where. There, you've got Kirk in picture, you've got Pike in picture, and you've got that <laughs> light across their eyes. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was going to say that, yeah. It happens yeah, when Kirk I... goes onto the bridge at the end of the episode as well. Kirk's yeah. eyes have got the light across just exactly like the balance of the other direction. <laughs> yeah, I, I love those little touches. Yeah, yep. I love that. First time I noticed that in this episode is when Ortega's turns to look and the music pops and that light beam is right across her eyes like that. That was cool. Yep. So good. 
Uh, and what did you think of the? Because I'll I'll bring up the scene, the scene where they basically played out the same in the conference room, but there's kind of a few replacements. So obviously you have Mbenga instead of McCoy, but he's basically on the same side. Uh, yeah. Spock essentially saying the same thing, but he hasn't got styles to play off. It's more Ortegas uh, that he's disagree that he's agreeing with. Sorry, and uh, you know Pike finding out war is never imperative. But at this point, rather than Kirk being unsure and seeking advice, he's kind of at the end of the table being the one that's like, actually, I've got an idea. So what did you think of uh, of, of that scene? They they do a really good job of you know juggling the characters around and giving the li- giving the lines. I mean, some lines obviously different, but you know when it comes to Spark and he's giving the exact same uh, speech that he did in Balance of Terror. Mm-hmm. I just I think it was done really really well. And I agree. I think it was for everyone except the Robin Commander because I was really trying because I you know how much I love that line about you know in another reality I might have called you friend one more duty to perform. I was really wanting to feel that after feeling it so intensely during Bounds of Terror, and I was just like, oh, that's just a bit flat. <laughs> Bless you know uh, when every other bit of dialogue that was like said Ethan Peck delivering Leonard Nemo's dialogue worked for me. Ortegas as a kind of proto styles, not the same dialogue, but being on that kind of we should attack you've got to do this kind of thing yeah uh, and even even Mbenga in the mccoy role of war is never imperative i was really impressed with you know um but yeah I, the, I, the thing I, that, i'm that, wondering sorry. if sorry with regards to the the romulan commander i'm wondering if it was a conscious decision to make him a little less stoic to mark leonard mm. to try and bring him more in line to have that character there but to try and bring him more in line with how the romulans have developed as a culture in the rest of the franchise if that makes any sense it's possible but i just think like you like i said if if that's the case then the people who are behind trek aren't realizing that the balance of terror characterization is superior basically yeah um, yeah i think we can pretty much all agree for, we, you know we kind of did last week already say this is the best the romulans have been it's the most interesting uh, you know the most uh, that we can empathize with them the most uh, you know actually deep and and not just ooh subterfuge and sneak and plot and whatever else so yeah i mean i don't know and it, it kind of feels like i don't know where i stand on this like i appreciate the fact that because it's strange new worlds they can do more they've got more effects you kind of go from balance of terror being one ship versus one ship to this being a fleet versus a fleet because we have to step it up a level and you have to explain how we've started a war from it and i kind of I, I i get it and I, I don't dislike it but at the same time it just kind of feels like it robs the agency a bit from the captain versus captain you know u-boat story nature of balance of terror um but you know it gives captain kirk a chance to shine and well he's great so <laughs> that's i mean cool. it's, it's it's kind of a sequel so they have to kick it up a notch they've got to keep yeah. people interested especially as old timers as it were when it comes to track i'm just glad that they didn't you know pull a picard season one and every single shit that turned out was the same <laughs> yeah although i've already mentioned in a previous hit on this section that i don't think they needed to redesign the romulan bird of prey quite so heavily it's it, it's a too much of a change because <laughs> i'm I, i'm that nerd <laughs> no I, I right this is my pettiness right i don't mind that okay i hate and i'm and my head cannon keeps trying to explain it away <laughs> as it's an alternate timeline things can happen okay right you know how you mentioned earlier with the talosians the new ones don't look as good as the originals yeah mm-hmm. right disregarding the Starfleet clothing wars of the 20, you know, 2300s. <laughs> yeah. I hate the updated Monster Maroon. 
I... Oh, with the slight, the very slight shade because it has the delta embedded on the. Yeah, the I hate it. It looks like their arms are covered in a slick of oil. I do not like it. <laughs> if if something is is good, it, you know, it, it's the old adage: if it's not broke, or if it whatever it is, I, it ain't I'm broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I'm turning it into George W. Bush now. But, <laughs> uh, it's honestly, oh. it was perfect the way it was. There is this need to update everything and you can fine you can update the the bridge you know budgets are different but when it comes to the monster maroons especially when they've been used i mean all right even voyagers quite a ways back now yeah but you know when it's been used so effectively in later se series you don't need to mess with it it's a classic style and it's classic for a reason the original costumes from the tos era fine i can understand why they need updating but the Monster Maroon, that to me just seemed a little, let's tweak it just because we can. And I, I think it just made it look less of what it is just to tie into the new look TOS costumes. And again, it's just me being petty. I'm, I realise this. I don't want to be yeah. that guy, DK, but if you're bothered by that, but you're fine with the Strange New Worlds version of the TOS uniforms, then that's a bit of a double standard. Cause... I don't, you see, I don't think it is. I can, I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that because yeah, it's from the sixties. They they they're wanting to make it look, you know, you can't have Anson Mount with Did... a bit of a belly, or because it's no, got but... tight lycra on. But I'm not talking about them... that. I mean, like they feel the need to in, to have flipping branding on everything, so everything has to have the Starfleet Delta. If you look at the uniforms, there's every bit of stitching is a flipping Starfleet Delta as you get down See, to I, it, and it's no, just no. But I blame no. <laughs> freaking JJ Abrams for this because I think yep. they took a cue from the ones in the movie. So. But I can yeah. kind of just get with that because they. Let's be fair; they did kind of need updating. Uh, I'm know, fine with the material to... being updating. I just, like I said, the only thing they really did to the Monster Maroon was add that delta, and at the very least, at least it keeps it to a small area. So it's the least. Like I, I'm fine with that change compared to the change of the actual, you know, the, the bridge uniforms of TOS because they are radically different. Whereas the Monster Maroon just has bits added to the shoulder, and I can kind of head cannon it as: Did we see a rear admiral in that uniform? It's a high rank. Yeah, Maybe it's, that's you know. It's not just the shoulders; it's the arms. It looks like they've been kind of rummaging in some kind of death trap involved in Indiana Jones, and they're covered in gunk. I just, I just <laughs> no, I just don't uh, like it. It's just I, as I say, the only it, one it's that a petty little thing. Well, they oh, barely yeah. ever pull this one out of the closet. This is the dress time travel uniform. Yeah, that's the one that lets you handle Klingon time crystals, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, um, you aren't the only one that complained, but I'm not going to spend much longer on this because it's such a silly thing to spend a long time on. But I, I don't hugely notice it because there's so much of it is the, the you know, the Monster Maroon that we know that I'm sort of fine with it. I don't, I can't say I notice the arms especially, <laughs> but I don't have the connection to that uniform that you clearly do. And I'm I'm still, well, I, I'm still I bitter about it's... changing the TOS uniforms. Well, like I you think know. it's it's because of what we are personally attached to. Whereas I didn't yeah. find a problem with the the bird of prey, and you were just like, "No, that's too much." It's mm -hmm. what yeah. we pay particular attention to, and that the monster maroon is kind of my favorite uniform in the entire franchise. Apart from when you know they start having collars, that just looks stupid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, without the little uh, undershirt when they start using that for like the Enterprise C or Jack Crusher, yeah, without the little sweater thing underneath, it just looks ridiculous. It does. <laughs> 
You just think that thing must be chafing like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like putting a jacket on over just a bare chest. Yeah. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. how how do you feel about the idea of because this is quite a big thing and and it's a unique thing that they do tying in Pike's fate and his relationship with Spock to the events of Balance of Terror, which seems like an unrelated episode. I really love the way they did that. I think it was very clever. Uh, would you guys say the same? Yeah, the writers. Yeah, the yeah. writers when they're sticky notes. Yeah, well, let's put this in. We can put this in, and this will work here. That I thought it was great. I loved that. I, I mean, I remember when I rewatched it. I kind of had like a <gasps> moment. Whoa, <laughs> they're doing this right now. And, and the yeah. same uh, happens at the very end when they bring in Una, and and mm-hmm. her her thing. Like I was like, wow, they're putting I, so much into this. It's like I didn't care for that. Right- I just felt like that was a cheap kind of we need to end on a cliffhanger moment. Yeah, yeah. The one thing but, in the episode I'm like, oh dear. Oh well. I know. And Chris is like, oh please, did I really already come back to the real time? Is this really happening? Where's that time crystal? Damn it. <laughs> I'll forgive it because the episode that it gives us, the second episode of series two is the best episode of the last 30 years. It is. That's so, right. Exactly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it's, it just seemed unnecessary. It was like, we need to end the season on a cliffhanger and this isn't good enough of just Pike being happy with his fate, which would have been fine. I'd have rather you ended the episode with him, you know, seeing that horrific vision and just smiling it away like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> or even that log where he's like, you know, we all want to believe that we have an important future. Not a log, it's actually his future self tells him we all want to think we're going to be important and you are, but not in the way you think. Just have him kind of come to that realisation, it would have been nice. Anyway. Uh, neither here nor there, but yeah, it was brutal the way it showed you how Spock was completely effed up by the way in uh, sickbay, like missing a leg and completely screwed, and Chapel naturally being devastated. And like, even if he survives, he's not going to be the same. It's like, oof, that hits me like a gut punch. Maybe really, again, just because it, I love Spock, but <laughs> exactly, it was hard to see that. It's like some sort of alternate, like Darth Vader kind of thing. Like, you see somebody and they're just so messed up, and at that moment, you know, they can never be the same. Yeah. In terms of making changes, though, I have to I have to commend them for one thing. Yes, it makes a lot more sense for Spock to be in that little tube thing in engineering to fix things than underneath his console on the bridge as he was in Balance of Terror, which never yeah. made any sense to me. Like, how are you fixing the phases from the bridge? What's that going to do with anything? Because you know? he has to make that sound. He has to make the beep. And then everybody oh, no, is suspicious. They're through the vacuum of space, of sound has traveled for the first time ever. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> But no, I appreciate that he did engineering and I like the kind of, again, the homage to the original series when he's up in that tube and it's the same camera angle. And how cool was it that we heard a, like a Scottish voice from the engineer without that explicitly saying it? So good. <laughs> yeah, I like stood it? up and pointed at the screen and I'm like, Scotty, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> it is just a voice actor, by the way. It's not the same guy that would later go on to uh, appear as Scotty at the end of season two, spoiler alert. Uh, but yeah. But that <laughs> seemed a like one. a... Uh... A, a, a two Easter egg in one. Not only was he speaking the Scottish accent, but he was delivering a line worthy of McCoy. It was a McCoy line, yeah, it wasn't it? It was like, I'm an engineer, not a something or other. I thought the <laughs> work. We should have written it down, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on everything that I have under writing. So, do you guys I'll, have anything I'll, or shall I'll, we? I've just got to say, I, I loved the fact because I was dreading that they were going to run through the entire series with Pike trying to find some way of escaping his fate and mm-hmm. i like that this episode drew a line under it and said no we've got more stories to tell than this we're going to finish it now go for it yeah and i i do like that and and then at the end because i'd forgotten that that little exchange between him and his alternate self and i just thought mm-hmm. well 
what's to stop Pike at this point, you know, replaying events differently? But, you know, then he threw in that line. This is no matter what you do. I've tried it. Yeah. By yeah. the farm. So, yeah. yeah, I do like that they, they, they put a full stop at the end of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know that I'm a sucker for any time they do something that enhances the storyline that we know from the original series onward. It's one of the reasons I love the Discovery episode, Lethe, when it shows you why Sarek is so bitter about... Uh, you know, Spock not going to the Science Academy because he'd refused Burnham going there. And oh, so it yeah. adds to that. So what I love here is that, as I've already mentioned, Spock finding out more or less without explicitly telling him about, like, I, you know, my fate is to, to spare you. And again, when you watch the menagerie now with that knowledge, Spock doing what at the time seems a little bit like, hang on, this is a bit extreme for your captain. Why are you so close? Now it just adds such an extra layer to that of like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I, this is to you this is your fault so you, you're gonna do everything to, to, to yeah. help him and I, and I do like that they didn't spoon feed they I, they didn't out they didn't outright tell spock spock yeah. you know it's spock so he, he he knows he knows anyway uh i yeah. love that they they didn't you know double down and, and just Oh yeah, because in another world they would have had him like mind meld with him or like yeah. oh now i can see the altar which i'm really, again i'm glad they didn't do because like i said spock's intelligent enough to work crap out for himself <laughs> i love the uh, the story how they they had the conversations between uh the two pikes you know and and accepting of the fate i just i love how they did that i think that that took a lot of guts to like you said mike draw the line absolutely yeah well that was dk but yeah <laughs> yeah i'm the same because a lot of people during the first season as it was airing week to week were like oh i bet strange new worlds is gonna be about pike escaping that fate and that's how it's gonna show us it's an alternate timeline and we'll undo that and i'm like i really hope it isn't mm -hmm. and then as you said the fact that yeah the first season's kind of about him coming to terms with that so that you do you, you beautifully end it with the original series basically yeah. but no i kind of related to that and, and it is writing but it feeds into the next section of the acting a big important part of this episode, uh, and it was a surprise at the time, which I was kind of not expecting and ended up thrilled by, was the presence of Kirk uh, and of Captain Kirk from the alternate mm -hmm. future. So what do you think of the role that this Kirk plays and the characterization that's given by Paul Wesley as uh, captain of the Farragut still at this point? Which, by the way, nice reference, because he should have he was a first officer on the Farragut back in TOS. I saw what he did there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, DK. I remember talking to you. Right before this episode aired, and we were both very, you know, at the prospect of Kirk turning up because we didn't know the ins and outs of the story. And well, we didn't know what was happening here. We knew he was in season two, but we didn't. Yeah. And, and you know, the the uh, filming picture had come out from tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, so we knew we'd, you know, we knew he was in that with Laan, and there was probably time travel, and we saw a different badge, so we assumed it was a different ship. We didn't know about the alternate timeline, whatever. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't announced as being in this episode. We didn't know anything about. It. I didn't know it was a balance of terror redo, and so when it is James Kirk, I was just like, whoa, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they do have him in the credits, which is a bit of a shame because it's a special guest star credit in the opening credits, which I must have just missed when I first watched it because it was still a surprise. <laughs> anyway, but, sorry. Yeah, he Wesley really surprised me. I was, I mean, I'm a die, you know, as you gathered from last time, I'm a diehard Shatner fan as Kirk. Uh, and, you know, with the best one in the world, Chris Pine wasn't Kirk for me. I think Paul Ooh. Wesley does an absolutely bang up job. Uh, he's not Shatner, he doesn't try to be Shatner, he just plays Kirk. It's his own interpretation, and I think he pulls it off really well. Because mm -hmm. you, you have glimpses of that old Kirk coming through, 
but it's not like a bad impersonation and he, he doesn't go for the to try and do the kirk speech patterns as it were and it could it could have come off really really poorly but wesley yeah. does a an absolutely cracking job and he's on a um yeah he's, he's my favorite i'm gonna say he's my favorite character in this episode all controversial we're not supposed to get there yet but okay i know <laughs> he's he still has that charm he still has that uh you know it's the confidence that, level isn't it i mean exactly i yeah. mean even when he's being given given a dressing down by pike for the risks that he's taking uh because he's like i love that i love the way that pike isn't afraid to go there and he's like i will <laughs> remind you that you're currently having a go at me on my ship after yours has been destroyed yeah <laughs> but you know, even down to Sam giving giving Pike oh, the that. advice on you know how how his brother is and he's you know he he takes risks he always takes risks he's not just a wild card he's a deck of them, but he's <laughs> he's you know one of the finest captains that Starfleet's ever produced. Yeah, and I love that. You actually so much. see it. You see it. I love you, that speech. You see it you know, in this episode. Absolutely. I love that Sam kind of starts off like he's a pain, you know, he, he's such a wild card. He's, a, you know, a law unto himself. But then at the end, to summarize, it's like, look, he's a pain in the ass, but he's probably the best captain Starfleet has. And I'm like, yes, you've just summarized the character I've loved for 50 years yes. in like yeah. three sentences. You know? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> agree with that. Yeah. 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 And there is a chance that once. You know, the, the once you see the actual character in action later on, you might not pull it off and you and you know you've seen it happen in other series and yes you've had this description of how this character is but when you see the character itself you can think really is is this the same person we're talking but you don't in this and i think no. that's a, a credit to wesley that he does exude that confidence he does exude that charm he doesn't try to be Shatner, but he still ends up coming across as a really good Kirk. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, he's never going to be number one Kirk for me. He's always going to be Shatner. But he's, I think he he's might be for pretty me. damn good. <laughs> he's pretty damn good. He's so good. I just loved it. No, I, I mean, I, I joke because the part of it is that he just he brings himself to that Shatner performance without, like you said, devolving into copying the speech patterns or trying to copy the performance or whatever but he has the things that matter the charm the confidence the things that we associate even though weirdly enough those things aren't present from kirk in balance of terror quite so much so i did you know on a, on a slightly more negative level i did miss the uncertainty that we get from balance of terror kirk like, i can't imagine this version of the character telling mccoy you know i wish i was just away on a sea voyage and i don't like this responsibility this one is very much I'm standing up, I'm taking responsibility, which again, we associate more with Kirk overall, but again, it's not the Kirk from these events, which is weird, but I'm fine with it because it's more the character we know. And like I said, he has to kind of show Pike that he's the Kirk that would stand up to the Roman commander in this situation and prevent the war, which is ultimately what happened in Balance of Terror. So again, I can, I can dig it. I can deal with the fact that he'd hide that lack of confidence because he's trying to appear in control of the situation because he knows that Pike's trying things a different way. And having said that, I, I adore that it does include that moment, which I think is vital of Kirk saying, look, I, I genuinely lament that your idea about diplomacy didn't work. I, I wish it had done. I just knew it wasn't gonna. I was, you know, you, you don't get the sense that he's just out there gunning for war. Like, I just want to, you know, go out and shoot them. I want to take anybody on. It's just like, yeah, I wish your idea had worked, man. I really do. But it wasn't gonna. <laughs> so I love it. What's come love through it. for me with Paul Wesley's um, Kirk is the quick thinking to quote George Bush. 
strategery. Um, <laughs> so I think he's fast thinking. He he sees the alternates. He his mind works really quickly, and he basically knew that Pike was coming more from a humanity side of it. Um, but he you know he had to see the other way, and that's basically what Kirk is for me too. You know, fast yeah. thinking action man. Yeah. Completely. And I do like that it shows the intelligence of the character that often gets forgotten that he comes up with these alternatives and that genius idea of like, they don't know what our ships look like. So yeah, fair enough. I brought 50 mining craft for all they know. This is a fleet of warships. <laughs> you know, They're not unmanned drones to them. It could be anything. And I was like, yes, that's a, that's fully, that is a full on Corbomite maneuver bluff James Kirk yeah. special right there, isn't it really? <laughs> so yeah, love it. Uh, we're taking a bit long, so I'm going to rush us through the rest if I can. So yeah, in terms of the acting, uh, what do you think of Anton Mount playing both versions of Pike? I think he did a good job. Hmm. Do you think he differentiated the two of them uh, well enough? The older kind of, you know, I, I tried this so. before guy. I think so, and I think he had pretty good banter with himself as well. You know, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, the makeup was pretty good. I'll, I'll give yeah. it that, but uh, yeah, I think he did a decent enough job. I, I could I actually like believe it, yeah. that they, they were two characters rather than, well, you know, insofar as they're one character. But I mm. I could believe that, uh, yeah, they were having a conversation. It worked well for me. Yeah. And I haven't dealt with this in the writing, but is any of you bothered by the Time Crystal MacGuffin? Because, I mean, I could be, and if I was nitpicking, it would annoy me, but I just, I, I recognise it's just a literally, it's it's a MacGuffin to get it's us a, to the plot. It's and a I'm MacGuffin, fine with it. yeah. Again, <laughs> It's it's just a show. I mean, otherwise you're going to spend ages trying to come up with a, a way to get from A to B when you've already had these crystals used in Discovery. So, mm. yeah, let's go with that. It, it it bridges it very simply and then move on to the next plot point. Yeah, yeah. I love Danton Mount. I like that they differentiate Pike and Kirk by showing that Pike is not the softer of the two as such, but he's more prone to look for every diplomatic angle to a fault. Uh, you know, he won't do anything aggressive. He's he's trying to be, he's trying to prevent a war, which is in often often how you get war. <laughs> and and it's good that the episode shows that. And I love that even with that though, when they actually go into the battle and it's you know sparks are flying, he's he's got great battle energy answered mount, which we hadn't really seen in season one. So when he's like screaming at Ortegas and fully giving orders, I'm like, all right, where's this pipe been? I like it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> any thoughts on uh, answer mount from you then, Adrian? <laughs> I think he did a great job, actually. I think he's fabulous as his older self. I think that um, all the different emotions he feels in this episode, like walking into sick bay, mm -hmm. you know, with the, the time slows down and there's all the sparks behind him and he's walking into sick bay to see uh, what the chaos has wrought. A and then later he's, kind of doing this happy walkthrough with the crew hmm. after he comes back to real time. I mean, I just think he did a great job. Fair enough. And I mean, we've talked with everyone else. We've already said, yeah, Ethan Peck is great. He's always been great uh, as, as this new version of Spock. Gooding is great as Uhura for what little amount she has to do. The new Hanson is great. Uh, Melissa Navia has been great all season. She's great as this, albeit giving her styles of plot is a bit of a hamper, you know, a bit of a cross to bear, but it, she does it well enough. I'll move quickly to direction then, because I don't have a lot of notes for that. And again, we've touched on bits and pieces of it. Uh, do you have anything to say about the direction or shall I get us started? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Well, 
we already mentioned I, I I should shout out Vincent Macaviti, the director of Bounds of Terror, because more than once it reproduces his work. We mentioned the sort of the beams of light across the eyes, the exact copy of the Romulan reveal and the, the crash zoom on Spock with an eyebrow raised, the way that people are framed through the kind of conference table, albeit at a different angle and stuff. And yeah, I think uh, the director of this is does a fantastic job of capturing the feel of that whilst using the new sets and ideas and stuff. Don't love his work on the Romulan ship, but I think that's more the set design than the director. Because I think I miss it being that kind of cramped thing from Balance of Terror. Uh, I know it was probably you know budget restraint, but I think that worked for me in Balance of Terror to make it look like a cramped area. Whereas here it's just too big and too generic yeah. and too like uh, it's not great for me. Um, but yeah, anything from you guys about that? No, I agree with you on that one. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree too. I love it about that <laughs> shot of the Farragut getting blown up. Yeah, that, that is amazing. I mean, I, I'm so sad, good. but it's incredible. I mean, yeah, it looks I like so the, real. Again, being a huge ship nerd, I like that the Farragut appeared and it was actually a different ship. <laughs> Especially again after the week before, they'd been like, this is the Sombra class. It's identical to the Constitution class. Shut up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I loved seeing the Farragut and it being a different thing. And it's similar to the Miranda class, which I love as well. So, but yeah, the scene of its destruction was amazing. Such a good effect. Um, I like the plasma weapon effect. I think that works really well. And that's more or less everything that I haven't I've mentioned. You know, the engineering things, cool homage, shall we say. Uh, the fleet battle is, is really epic. The way they barely warp out of there before the, the plasma hits is really mm -hmm. cool and tense. Mm -hmm. uh, so the next thing then is VFX. Again, we've already mentioned I love the Enterprise uh, and Cayuga, both Constitution-class ships, but I love the way Strange New Worlds reinvented them. But that's an overall serious thing. I do like the Romulan ships, although I think the Bird of Prey maybe is a bit too overdone. I still think it's good. It's just not as good as the original. Love the Farragut. Like we've mentioned, the destruction scene is great. I love that we actually get to see gorgeous shots this time of the asteroid base that we never got in Balance of Terror. So I think it just gives it that extra layer of like you can, I don't know, visualize it more and feel yeah, more, more visceral. Debris, it's yeah, it yeah looks, completely. Yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned this during the, the last episode, but to match Balance of Terror, the phasers do act more like photon torpedoes and kind of pulse rather than being one long beam, which is like, I appreciate that they did that, even though it doesn't really make a ton of sense. So, yeah. I really, like the, I really personally love the makeup in this episode. I loved how they aged Pike. I love how mm -hmm. Spock is obviously burnt to a crisp. Um, yeah. how, how they do these shots um, in sick bay, especially. I love that whole scene with the bride and groom. Like I just, I thought yes. it was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, The way that scene's lit, by the way, the wedding at the start when Pike is initially kind of funny and he doesn't know what he's saying and stuff is very well done, very well handled. Um, but I, I, I do love the makeup with the exception of, like I said, I don't think we needed the Romulan ridges. I don't know why they insist on doing this, um, but never mind. Never like those. Again. Never like those. But it's, no, it's me part neither. Of the, uh, part of the franchise now, isn't it? So uh, we'll move to the next thing then before we get any further, which is the favourite character moment and line. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a, an anticlimax with you, DK, so we'll come to you first. <laughs> who, who, pray tell, was your favourite character in this episode? Well, I know this is going to be a shock, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Kirk. <laughs> well, that came from nowhere. I am startled now. That's fair, <laughs> That's fair enough. You kind of tipped your hand with that one a bit, but yeah, I, I can understand. Any reasons why you want to give us why? Or... <laughs> I, I, I think I've already gone into him. I, I, you know, yeah. it's... 
it it is the Kirk that we know. It's the Kirk that we love. It's just a different aspect because he's played by a different actor. But yeah, yeah, he's Fantastic. there, recognizable <laughs> instantly. Cool. And what about you, Adrian? Who's your favorite character in this? I give it to the Pikes. Oh, cool. P- Pike squared. Pike squared. I just think Anson Mount just did an amazing job, and there were some funny little lines he throws in. You know that thing about Sir Nays a lot. That was. It's hard when your tragic backstory begins with a silly name. <laughs> yeah, I liked that there was a little humor and also like um Kirk come comes in at, at, when they're actually both pikes are there, but then the one pike disappears and he says, Um, oh, I was just talking to myself, you know. I, <laughs> I think these little moments are important and I give it to Anson Mount for sure. Cool. Weirdly enough, I, I, I've literally got written down the pikes come very close, but I also went with Kirk just because it would have been so easy to go wrong and Wesley's performance just hits the ground running and he nails it. He's fully believable as this character that's so well-known and established and I've gushed over him plenty over the last, sort of, since he first appeared and I think he's fantastic casting and I'm happy to keep seeing him even though a lot of people are like, don't include Kirk. It's not necessarily I'm like, yeah, bring him back. I don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So what was your favorite moment or scene? Uh, Adrienne, I'll come to you this time first. Well, my favorite scene, I'm going to give it to, well, it's hard, (laughs) but I just think, um, Pike walking into medical with Mm. slow-mo with the spikes and him having to, having to face what has happened, having to make this transition to trying to battle my fate away and into acceptance. And I think this is just a critical moment for him. Fair enough. Can't disagree with you there. Uh, DK, what about you? Uh, I love the dressing down. If you're saying you're more willing to take risks than I am, I don't disagree. Not not the not the line as such, but just the interplay between mm-hmm. them. I think that would yeah, be really a good scene. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, my favorite, there's a lot uh, of good character moments in this, and yeah, to yeah. me that's a highlight. Definitely. Yeah, it's great seeing Pike and Kirk on screen again. We didn't really get a chance, even during TOS, to do much of that without just bleepy chairs. So it's cool to see. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my favorite scene is just the, the Spock eyebrow moment, because I'm just a Trekkie reference slut. You know, people people complain about <laughs> fan service. I say service me all day, baby. I, <laughs> Oh I don't care. God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. It's it's too early in the morning for this for Adrian. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little hey, bit look, of I don't go past the line, but I'm not afraid to go right up to it and wave a hand in. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so what was your favorite line in the episode? Uh DK, I'll come to you. Uh well. Speaking of your TOS references, in a an episode that is entirely full of tense discussion and, you know, really great character moments, I've got to give it to, uh, do you want some coffee? I don't drink coffee. I do drink tea. All right. Would you like some tea? No, thank you, Captain. It's what makes that is something that you can't see in the line, but it's Pike's response when he says no. It's the way that he just exasperatedly like... <sighs> Something's yeah. Yeah. never changed. <laughs> yeah. It's all in the performance. I love it. It's yeah. it's just like watching the Do You Guys Like Italian? I love that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, in the voyage home. I love Italian. And so do you. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Adrienne? What's your favorite line? Um, unlike you two, I'm gonna go with uh, the Romulan commander because Ooh. to me it's a lot more poignant because he knows he's about to die when he okay. says, "In a different reality, I could have called you friend." He does know that in Balance of Terror as well. In fairness. <laughs> But he's, his own people are going to kill him this time. Mm. So to me, it made a big difference because I'm a, emotional like that. Okay, I get it. That's good to have that sort of uh, alternate point of view. That's fair enough. Um, I always seem to quite pick like quite long lines. I'm so sorry about this for mine. So I went with, this isn't going to help, but it gets worse. This war with the Romulans, millions die so far. It's still going on. Not only did you start something that should never have been started, the best chance at a lasting peace between the Federation and the Romulans in any timeline well, turns out he's lying in a bio bed. We all want to think our future is important, and ours, yours and mine, it is. Just not the way you think. I love that. That's just such a summation of the episode, and again, just Trek. Spock's importance. Again, you can, you can feed me Spock's importance all day, and I'm here for it every time. <laughs> uh, as we'll probably find out in our next episode. But yeah, anyway. Uh, right then, uh, we, we will get back to our conclusion and our scores, but before that, we always put the call out to you to ask what you think of this episode. And just like our last uh, our last episode last week, I don't want you to have to just listen to me droning on, so I have split the audience response three ways between all of us. Hopefully you guys have yours there, yeah? Yeah. Incoming transmission. Cool. Uh, cool. Adrian, I'm going to come to you first, if you don't mind. Would you like to read uh, what you have? Uh, John Kissinger says it was brilliant. And then Neil Stringer says enjoyable and good performances, but a little pointless and somewhat shameless redo of one of the classics. Though done better than Into Darkness rehash of Wrath of Khan. Agreed. Uh, cool. <laughs> Is that all you've got from uh, Star Trek? I've got a, a couple more. Oh, okay. uh, this might be called Star Trek shit posting. Not sure. It, it um, is. Yeah, that's the okay. name of the I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always fun to say that stuff. Okay. I am also a member of Star Trek wholesome posting. I am. Oh, that's fun. Oh, there's two. Okay. Uh, Dale Westrade gives it a 5.5. Matt Burns gives it a 5. And Tyler Waddell gives it a 5. Cool. Right. Uh, so that's all of your feedback then. That's <laughs> my feedback. Yes. DK, do you want to take us away with yours then? Star Trek Ships of the Line group. Uh, Mitchell Jones says, I rated a five despite the use of another Klingon time crystal. Those are terrible. No way the Klingons have had a temple full of magic time crystals this entire time and we just hear about them in Discovery. I can't fault the episode heavily for including one since they were already established in Disco though. And it was, good, and it was a good episode overall. Uh, Maybe it was destroyed. Nielsen, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, Christian Nielsen replies to them. Uh, the time crystal thing was my only issue as well. I guess I can partially accept it based on the idea of the Bajoran orbs sent by the Prophet slash wormhole aliens. Those were, smartly, more limited than something that could launch an entire ship centuries into the future. Still, if I frame this particular episode as being akin to an orb experience, I am able to get past it. It is an excellent story otherwise. Christian Nielsen then goes on to say, really, really loved this episode. And yes, while I wasn't initially excited about introducing Kirk already, this was the perfect way to do it. I know others aren't happy, but I love Wesley's version of Kirk. I also love the very fitting reference to the Nimoy's Twilight Zone episode by the same name. I think it also oh. showed there's a time for a Kirk approach and a time for a Picard approach. 
Pike chose a very Picard approach, which was morally correct, but a strategic mistake. They were balancing so much in this episode so well. To me, this episode really showed a commitment to brilliant storytelling within the canon that yeah. I found lacking in more recent Trek. This has to be my favourite Strange New Worlds episode. And then in parentheses, based on my favourite original series episode. Although I love the whole series. Uh, Robert oh. Rausher says, an amazing episode, seeing Pike in the red uniform. Shit. Uh, discussing with his younger self why he can't <laughs> escape his destiny. Just brilliant writing and acting. Haven't had that much fun with Star Trek since the TNG DS9 era back in the 90s. Uh, Alex Doorstop. Uh, is that a real name? I, I have no idea. I hope so. Is, <laughs> but because that is phenomenal. Uh, Easy Five Stars was a fantastic episode and a great homage to the original series. Mike uh, Giacola gives it five. Robert Fitzgerald says at least a four. Matthew Burke says... A fantastic homage and what-if scenario that really highlighted the strengths and weaknesses of both Pike and Kirk in positive ways. And Dan White says, uh, well, he thought it was a masterpiece of an episode, while Stephen James Lewis says it was a brilliant what-if. Pike didn't go into the beeping chair retelling of Balance of Terror. Uh, Pye Hutton says, I give it five. It was a great retelling and feels exactly what Pike would do. Brian Whitmore says, a balance of delight. Lol. Five stars out of five. Dan T says, a great ending to a great season. Easily the best first season for a Trek show since the original series. Ooh. Tim Whiteley says, six out of five. So I'm guessing he likes it. Uh, Nathaniel Whedon says, balance of terror was better. And Heiko WH says, great episode. And that's all the feedback I have. Cool. Well, I only have a couple of things from Trek Twitter refugees. Nick DeWitt says, uh, I would again give this a five out of five. I get why some may quibble about it being something of a remake, but it does something different in reality. It takes the world we know from Balance of Terror and shows us the same events, but with different precursors. It's kind of like the old film favorite, It's a Wonderful Life. Pike knows what the future holds for him, but what if he changes course? In both the old film and the episode, staying the course is the right answer, but for different reasons. In both, the main character sees a world potentially far worse off if they change things. But Pike staying the course requires a tremendous personal sacrifice. It shows the depth of his character that he willingly chooses sacrificing his own well-being to save others. Thank you. I agree with that. That's how I would counteract the guy that said Pike looked weak, by the way. Um, it wasn't a remake of the TOS episode. It was an echo of it and done in a way that was haunting to anyone who has some fear of the future and of what will become of them and those they love as a result of their choices. It plays on that very human trepidation of, is this the right decision? Am I on the right path? And takes Pike and the viewer through just such a question. And I also heard from Justin Daniels on my Facebook page personally, who sent me a university dissertation about this episode, but I broke it down to a couple of sentences. Sorry, Justin, I couldn't read the whole thing out. Again, when you're on to review the Voyager episode, I have the needle. I look forward to just sitting back and letting you talk for two hours because I have no doubt you can't. <laughs> so, <but> yeah. Uh, <laughs> To summarize, he said, I give it four stars. It's an amazing episode, but ultimately it's not needed. It's clear that Pike is a literal Boy Scout. We always knew he'd do the right thing. Doesn't mean I don't like it, but with the missed opportunities and the fact that Kirk was a strange addition in my view, I can't call it perfect. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I thought the episode would be a bit more divisive being one of the newer treks, actually, so I was quite surprised at how popular it was. But I think mainly, you know, pretty much all positive. Nobody really hated it. So, yeah, cool. Uh, so right, and we'll finish up with, as usual, our own conclusion and our score out of five Starfleet Deltas. A spark analysis. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll throw it open this time. I'll let Adrian go first. Oh, go I'll on. let you go ahead, DK. No, Ooh. I insist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I give it a 4.9. I think it's wonderful. I, I just love it a lot, but I, I'm just going to give the original. I, I, I can't rank it up there with the original because it's not, you know, I just can't. So 4.9. Fair enough. DK, do you want to go? I don't want me to go. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Cool. Always let you finish. <sighs> then, you know, you, you, you can give the last essay. <laughs> Uh, a Quality of Mercy serves up not only a semi-remake, giving some classic touches a new breath of life and simultaneously bringing the greatness of Balance of Terror to modern audiences, but it still has time to deliver a good story in its own right, filled with stakes, tension and some great character moments, as well as plenty of fan service. But wait, there's more! It's also a time travel episode too! A very good way to end the first season of Strange New Worlds and put to rest the plotline of Pike attempting to escape his fate while hinting at an Enterprise without him. Mount is, as usual, great and is backed up by Peck giving fantastic performance to Spock and Wesley bringing us a new actor to Kirk. He may not be my Kirk, but damn if he doesn't make an impression. It's not perfect and on occasion it's a little too much of a retread and... Frankly, I hate those sleeves, but I realise that's personal preference, so I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay, all right, okay, that's uh, that's that's going to do that then. So I said on this, it's testament to how good a story Balance of Terror is that this story could be could revisit it five and a half decades later and still seem relevant, urgent, relatable, entertaining, and all the things that original story was. Though it's not a great comment on the world at large. The strengths of the episode are both obvious and subtle. Obviously, the revisiting of the original episode is incredibly fan-pleasing, very well done, impactful, and thrilling. But it also adds depth to what we know, not just from that story, but also Spock's relationship to Pike, Kirk's character, the nature and importance, and even more of Pike's devotion to duty, both in his approach to peaceful solutions and his acceptance of his fate. Unfortunately, when you're putting yourself on the shoulders of a giant, you're going to emphasize your comparative weakness in places. And so I have to say that some of the acting and scripting is not up to the same level. That said, there is still some great acting, brilliant modern direction, and against all odds, they basically remade a TOS episode and kept it respectful, enjoyable, and it somehow worked and didn't annoy too many fans. A highlight of a strong season and series for me, and I gave it 4.5 out of 5. So, adding those scores together, dividing them by 3, gives us a final total for a quality of mercy of 4.46 out of 5. So, not yeah, not bad at all, I think. Yeah. Uh, the final score, 4.6. It's 4.6 recurring and a bunch of stuff, but, you know, narrowing it down. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's very positive. I mean, it didn't quite match up to Balance of Terror, but it came very close, which I see is, is a fair submission of the episode. So, uh, yeah, anything uh, you wanted to add before I ask you the big question then? Or... The big question, well, I'm ready with the big question again, stolen directly from the Delta Flyers. But uh, when it comes to this episode, what was the message that you took away? Well, I, I just, um, I think humanity, emotion, love of friends, um, really just what's important in, in life, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Cool. DK, what about you? <laughs> I did have a good one, but come back to me. Come back to me. Well, mine's very, very brief and simple. To me, it simply boils down to you are where you're supposed to be. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good. Yeah. 
DK, any thoughts? <laughs> I cannot find the quote and I forgot it, but it's something profound about chance and destiny, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> something profound about chance and destiny, okay? Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> if, 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 I, if I find the quote before you edit, I'll send a recording over. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll drop in an mp3 for 15 seconds or whatever of you reading that quote <laughs> fair enough well that concludes another episode of our romulan based uh, series uh, do stick with us though next week we don't have a full episode but we are going to have a very special treat for you which will be announced in due course and uh, hopefully you'll have heard about it by now but yeah, yeah it, it'll be coming your way and then we are back with all things romulan themed the week after that uh, we're going to be joined by the same people that you have here, more or less, and maybe an extra one. Uh, and we're going to be reviewing the Next Generation 2 part of Unification. So yet more Spock and yet more Romulans <laughs> we're dealing with. So yeah, looking forward to that one. I've, uh, I may have already watched that and made a couple of notes. So let's see how we go with that. So all that remains now is for me to say thank you again so much to my loyal crew here. Adrienne, thanks for joining us again. <laughs> Anytime. And EK, thanks for always being my loyal assistant. I'm not going to say number one, blessed what you, you know, launch at us that, again. That, that's not a problem. Just be grateful I am not Romulan. You would have been trashed a long time ago, dude. Uh, you can always find us on social media, by the way. I am uh, just usually using my name, Michael Wilson or Michael K. Wilson on most places. You can find the podcast. We are uh, at Trek Screen Pods on the artist formerly known as Twitter. We are under Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast Facebook groups. We are HOM Star Trek Podcast on uh, Instagram. Uh, and you can find me personally representing the podcast on Threads, Mastodon, and all those various other places. So do have a look there. And uh, Adrienne, where can people find you? I am on AL Park, sorry, AL Park Tucker 2 on Twitter. Um, sorry about the politics. <laughs> and uh, DK, do you want to give us anywhere people can find you, or is it just going to be here? <laughs> They pretty much can't. So, yeah, I'll just be here. I'll be hanging around. You see, you have a go at the Romulans for being elusive and shady, and yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If you, if you want to reach DK, you'll have to go through the Praetor. But in the meantime, yeah, uh, do remember, by the way, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. Hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Produced and edited by Mike Wilson. Additional material by DK. Please remember to like this episode and spread it throughout subspace. Subscribe to the Hit or Miss YouTube channel and follow us online. Links to all of our social media pages can be found via the link tree listed in the episode's description. For any queries or to apply to be a guest on the show, you can also email h-o-m-star-trek at gmail.com This podcast is part of the Mike's Podcasts Network. You can listen to this and our sister podcasts on all good podcast providers by searching for Mike's Podcasts. Hit or Miss Podcast was based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templer. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll be back, but for now, Hailing Frequencies Closed. I'm gonna walk out of here at once, maximum speed.